Five Book Club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 103, and our book is Leviathan by Darius Hinks. So blue. The book is about a... Oh, yes. So purple. Fifty Shades of Cobalt. Our, the book is about a Tyranid invasion of the pl- a crucial Imperial world called Regium. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read this book, definitely check it out and then come back to this post as we're going to be talking about the book from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. Did you enjoy the book? I love this book. This may this is in the top running for book of the year so far. It is certainly in my top five. I and you know what's really funny about that? I went into this book hella skeptical because Nids. Nids. <laughs> Nids. Oh my god. If you would have told me in January that one of my favorite books this year was going to be a book involving the Tyranids, I would have been like, mm, yeah, okay. <clears throat> Is ADB writing it? Because that would be maybe the only thing. But oh no, friends, I love this book. Yeah, it was it was great. Start well, to what finish. What part stood out to you? And what didn't stand out to me? You know, so okay, valid. So so much of it did. Like I took some like random notes in the beginning because I thought this wasn't going to be that big of a deal. Like I made the note of like they're considering this a fragment of the alien of the alien armada. Ha 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 ha. You know, um, fooled you. And of course, like I giggled that it was called the Harbinger because all I could think about was Mass Effect after that point, because the collectors even look like Tyranids. And it was the Harbinger of um, the Reapers was one that was controlling them and everything just all kind of made sense. The fact that there was a Harbinger that was the you know leader or whatever, who was indirect control just kind of made me giggle but that's really where the giggling ended with it (laughs) because this was a scary book and I loved every second of it like I don't want to get into like what stood out to me because I know we're going to get into some of those parts in great detail because they made me me cry I was teary at the end of this book not fair Mr. Hinks I did not expect that. Like I had a hundred pages left. I was like, I'll read about 50 pages tonight and I'll read the next, the next day. Oh no, 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 no. I stayed up. I could not put it down. And by the end of the book, I was wiping tears because I was like, he's going to kill everybody and I'm not going to forgive him for this. And then didn't kill everybody, but he practically did. And still it was not, I know Warhammer 40k does not have happy endings, but this was like beyond not happy even for Warhammer 40k. Like, it's very rare that they blow up an entire planet. Right? Because well, what even and, happened with Ball? Right. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So, first off, can I say that you have, like, an arguably higher brow reference? Because I see Harbinger, and I think of Clerks. Um, definitely not, not, not the word. Not the highest, the highest of brow uh, things that I think to think of when you see that. Um, I think you're right. Let's dive into our questions because there's so much that stood out here to me. There were lots of little conversations. There were lots of little moments, and basically all of them. And I know that we have a lot to cover because there were a lot of co- there were a lot of feels 
Lots of and ways. I am with you at the end of this book. I, I, actually, this is the one thing I will say is that I finished this book. And I got to the end and I was like, I did not like this book. And I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, I had that reaction because I was really mad <laughs> at the characters that died. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a lot of feels. And so my reaction was just to be like, so one of the things that we talk about when we read The Song of Ice and Fire was when um, when we read uh, Storm of Swords. Yeah, it's Storm of Swords. Um, the, the third one mm-hmm. <laughs> at the Red Wedding. Um, my husband and I both threw the book across the room. Like that was our reaction was just... I wasn't as upset as he was about it because I was like, yeah, he kind of had to die in hindsight because that was I immediately I was like, I mean, I, I got to see where they were going with this. Um, but I, uh, yeah, my react when I had get strong feels in a book, my, I think my initial reaction is to be like, I don't like this. And then immediately I was like, oh, I'm really glad we didn't podcast that night because I might have been like, this book sucked. And then in front of all of you lovely people, I would have had to be like, Actually, I really liked it. And I just have a lot of feels. <laughs> so, so do you have a lot of feels? Fire, I felt that way with Ned Stark. Like, I was like, I don't know if I can finish this. I don't think I can read the next one because I started reading the books. Yes, it was still many years before the TV show came out. So don't oh, yeah, at me so. about that. But the first three books were already out by the time I started reading. And I got, and I got to the end with Ned Stark. And I was like, I don't think I can continue. So honestly... The fact that when I got to the Red Wedding, I was so numb at that point. I was like, yeah, seems legit. <laughs> like, That's fair. That's fair. Um, but this one, this was kind of like, the end, it was kind of like my Ned Stark. I was like, but, 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 but why? At least like a Ned Stark, you could, you could explain to me, well, he didn't play the, the Game of Thrones very well, which is very true. He did not. But there was no game here. This is like the good guys are supposed to win. And don't give me that. There's no good guys here. No, the ultramarines are the good guys. They're supposed to win. I mean, they're they're fighting to save the planet, um, which maybe not the individual people on the planet, but definitely the planet itself. Mm-hmm. Right. All I, all I could think about with that is that I think it's the Picard quote of it. It's possible to do everything right and still lose. Like, oh, man. Wasn't it how so, Brandon Sanderson kicked off his career? It's pretty much like that. Pretty much. Um, so, okay, let's dive into, let's talk about Castamon because Castamon's arguably one of the two main characters, mm-hmm. right? Him and Voltus. So first off, did you like him? Was he a good leader? Was he effective in his command? Let, let, let's, let's dissect Castamon for I a bit. I loved Castamon. I liked him, even though I recognize he was not a great he wasn't a great leader, I would oh. say, for with the people. I think primarily with the Salamis Hive. He basically comes back and tells the people at Salamis Hive that, okay, you guys need to defend this. And he tells all the Cadians, you need to defend this, right? Well, stuff is changing. Stuff is kind of going crazy, right? He doesn't check back in with them. Now, is that because he thinks like an ultramarine? And he thinks, I told you to defend the hive. So clearly what I mean is defend the hive. Don't get cute. You see, uh, but, in but his not defense, understanding humanity. Governor Serok was the same way. He was like, he told you guys to stay here. 
Very much so. Yeah. But it also kind of tells me that he they doesn't, much like Voltus, they doesn't don't, understand how these people work. No, actually, I don't think that's it at all. I think he just wasn't expecting wasn't a zealot. He wasn't expecting a fraud or Matthew, okay? Um, was anyone, was anybody sad when that character died? When he had his vision in the beginning, I was like, this is not the emperor. Because, nope. and that's one thing that's driving me crazy. It's like, I just love the fact, and this is, and I'm not saying that they need to change this because this is a beautiful thing that they do because I even see it in like, in current day stuff. But it's like, these people need to stop thinking that they are so damn special that the emperor gives them tells them what to do like it's people who be like this isn't god's plan you don't know god's plan you don't know the emperor's plan and how arrogant is that of you to be like oh but i see the plan we saw it with 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 um uh frater matthew when he you know had them release the saint and they killed a bunch of good people to go against reboot gulliman's word now did it end up helping gulliman and save his life yes but that's not the point and the same the thing ends is here. do not justify the means exactly and here in him thinking that not only does the emperor have me in his plan i'm the reason that they you know that they rally i'm going to be a saint is basically or a martyr that's kind of what he's saying and I, i'm sorry the battle sisters would, would never ever think that they would be a reason for the troops to rally None of right. Them. And that's and that's it's a, a very interesting point actually given that these are women who have devoted their entire life to being nuns with guns. Mm -hmm. Um not even I think, they think that they get the emperor's plan. No, and I think that's it's interesting that you mentioned that because with the third gal piece all I thought about was that Gulliman and Freighter Matthew conversation mm -hmm. where Gulliman says, "I'm the only one who's talked with dad in the last 10,000 years." Like it yes. very much so. So I do think on one hand, I'm not saying that this wasn't cast, that this was Castamon's fault because he did not take into account zealotry. But part of me was like, this whole conflict could be solved with a five minute conversation. Not even five minutes. Maybe two. It like could. this whole conversation could have been but the same check time, in. But when, <laughs> but when Port Dura exploded, I think that like everything just went into chaos. You know, he was just like, Okay, well, that exploded. I told them to stay at, at you know, Sal Salam. I said Sal Salamis or Salamis because I was just like, it's Salami. But anyway. Um, okay, now it is now going to be Hive Salami okay, for the rest yes, of the night. Hive Salami, yes. Uh, I told them to stay at Hive Salami, and that's where they need to stay. And I like, you know, that's a reasonable explanation because honestly, even if like a Cadian general told the Cadians, stay there. That's a reasonable order for them to think that that they're going to stay, no matter what. Um, we we'll get to that in a second. I was going to say, were you disappointed in Karpova that she went along with that? I because I was. I am. I understand because he really played into it. She's like, you know, that actually tactically makes sense why why that would happen. But also, but you disobeyed direct orders. Like I expect this out of a. a some of them from the ecclesiarchy because they always think that they know better than everybody else. But I expect more of the Cadians. Mm -hmm. But so Castamon, I liked, I liked how measured he was. I liked how even he was. I liked the part that stood out the most to me 
was, and we'll talk way more in detail about Voltus and his obsession, but I did like at the end when Voltus is like, I'm going to make this work, I'm going to make this work, and Castamon is like, at some point, you have to acknowledge this isn't working, mm-hmm. and we need to think of another plan. I liked that. I liked how... I just, I thought that he was, he was very intelligent. He did feel like the type of, he felt like an ultramarine who has been around the block. Cause they talk about how he's been, centuries. he's been an ultramarine for centuries. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he felt that way. He didn't feel new. He didn't feel like, oh, I have a lot of learning to do. And I actually really liked seeing just a seasoned, a seasoned mm-hmm. leader. We, we didn't have like, oh, well now I have doubts. And nope, he was very confident. Uh, Voltus and Baraka and Tanar, like all these other characters around him, Abram, they all had like some questioning and stuff going on within their heads. But Castamon was very much steady, stay the course. This is our role. This is our job. We also noticed they're from the first company, right? What happened with the first company's captain? Oh, he's a tetrarch now. Yes. Exactly. This is like, this is like that is a nice the, the flavor. Guys. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and, and the fact that this is such a vital world, they didn't, this is going to, I mean, obviously all space marines are excellent and better than sending right. human troops, but they sent first company mm-hmm. people. Um, I was a little surprised by, I thought Castamon was probably better than Tyrus. Now, granted, we didn't really get to see that much of Tyrus. Oh, poor Tyrus. We hardly knew he ye. got devoured. Yeah. What a way yeah. to go, too. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the Harbinger later. Um, but that whole scene. Um, yeah, what a way to die. But I thought that I thought that he was effective in his command. I think he was just given a, you know, one of the things that I always think about, and this comes from the Wrath of Khan, which I'll talk more about later, too, to believe that. Um but in like when they're talking about the Kobayashi Maru, right? Like, what's the point of that? And Kirk tells uh, Kirstielli's character, like, the point of it is that how you face death is just as good as how you, or as important as how you face success. Mm-hmm. And Castamon was definitely given. We know he didn't know, obviously, but we know as readers, he was basically given an impossible task. The Tyranids outsmarted you. Right. Well, they didn't expect it. Right. This is not normal Tyranid behavior. They were sent there because they'd fought Tyranids many, many times before. They were very well versed in all these bioforms. But even then, when they got to, you know, the Harbinger type of bioform, he was like, this is a totally different beast entirely. And then there was, you know, the Psyker, or as the way they described it, I was like, they got mother brain out there on the field. That made me that made me laugh so hard a lie i was picturing uh what's his name from teenage mutant ninja turtles oh krang krang i, I know that they described it looking like uh kind of a jelly mother fish. brain yeah or um that's all i could think of the was, thing was, was uh mother brain mother brain or the thing from doom 2 the big the spider that had like the mechanical arms oh, um i, I thought need, of that too i didn't need that in my life um <laughs> You're welcome. I forgot. It was about a brain. That. It was a brain spider. Um, like I had all these, but then all of a sudden, for some reason, Krang just it just popped in there, and then all of a sudden, all I could think of was Krang. Ah, uh, no. mother brain's much better. No, but so. I, but just because they described the brain like pulsating, I was like, so it's mother brain, 
and that's just kind of funny. And now I'm laughing, you know, at something that's very terrifying. So let's talk a bit about Voltus and his research obsession. Um, is he on the right path? You know, Do you like him? Huh. This just occurred to me. He's like, what if Fabius Bile was sane? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he very much had that scientist yes. brain, that scientist mind of, like, he says, I don't really deal well with people, mm -hmm. really. And including his fellow ultramarines, he's very much, and his research obsession has him kind of on the outside. And he, because he knows so much about taxonomy of the Tyranids, he knows so much and yet so little. Um, about the Tyranids, and you're not wrong. And his experiments, and when they talked about his lab having all these like jars of stuff in it, uh, he just wasn't yeah. experimenting on space marines. He was experimenting on, you know, the Xenos trying to figure out what makes them tick, how they hunt, how they do this. You know, it, and I really enjoyed <clears throat> his flashbacks to, you know, back when, you know, they were doing the trials, right, to see if they could even like become a neo you know possibly become a neophyte and how he had he studied predators in silence you know for for days it kind of reminded me a little bit also because i think um in shrike's novel and he talked about that how they had to, how they had to catch the corvus birds and Ooh. how they had to be still and study these predators in silence. And it just kind of reminded me a lot of that. So when he was like, yes, I'm, I need you to go hunt. Like, yes, this is the guy for it because he's the guy who will lie in wait and hunt and hunt the hunter because he's so good at, at studying all of this. Very much so. And it really came into play because of this whole, <laughs> this world sounds like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, this whole the whole thing about the trees, right? And there's that scene, eh, like maybe in the first third of the book, the when they're trees. coming, the trees, they're coming back in that swell. And, you know, like he's losing his engine and all mm -hmm. this stuff. And all of a sudden he's like, ah, I've been observing this. I can make this work for me. We're not going to die here. Like, because he is a very much a thinker and an experimenter. Yeah. And he's lucky that he has, his BFF is just along for a good time. Um, his, but to the point where I was getting a little flustered, and that's why I was so happy when Castamon was like, at some point you have to admit this isn't working. Mm -hmm. Because with his whole, I have to make this work, I have to make this work, I'm like, there's no way that they're going to have him crack how to use these like symbiont <clears throat> things. So the way that it was so rushed... And that they were attacking and they don't have time. I probably would have been, a, no, not probably. I would have been disappointed if he got it right either the first time or by he was able to do it at, at all, honestly. Um, if they had Great. had more time in there, I would have let it pass. But they didn't. They. So, uh, but at the same time, I like how he realized I have to get these out of here because there is a way, but I need more time to do it. I need to survive so I can warn people like, yes, 100%, you know, do your research when you're not under this time crunch and you can actually, you know, take your time with doing this. 
Do you think that what he's doing is going to be like vital to the campaign, to the future of dealing with the Tyranids? Is this going so. to be? I'll be disappointed if not, because then I'll be wondering like, what, what 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 was the point of this? Like, if you guys are if you guys are making the Nids be this this overpowered at this point, we got to have a little uh, you know ace in the hole like this, you know, especially if we have these this idea of these symbionts that are uh controlling them that's gotta have gotta have some way you can tap in there to kind of you know uh and kind of intersect that because i don't remember in the past and i could totally be wrong about the nids having psyker abilities yes but they typically manifested we saw that more with the gene stealers and you saw that a little bit here which darius hanks (laughs) <laughs> I love you for like we see the gene stealers mm-hmm. basically is more of like a oh by the way this is how the nids got here yeah um, the they're presented more as <laughs> yeah the cultists they're basically presented more as being like a nuisance at this point because now the invasionary force is here you idiots um like they always and remember the patriarch the patriarch always has a very a good level of mental control over everybody so they had already yeah yeah, so they had already established that yes there is some psychic control but and we're going to talk more about that when we talk about the harbinger because as i told you the other night when we were playing diablo this triggered my trap card and it's nothing that dare it's not darius hinks's fault this is definitely games workshop but but you're not wrong there is that they do need to have a way now that they have made them so incredibly op more on that later um they do need to have a way to be like okay at least we know a way to combat this ridiculous power that we've given them Mm -hmm. and that is through us being able to control these little symbiont things and i guess one other thing about it that with this faction there and they blew the planet up that group is gone so they can't anybody else that they've eaten they can't take back to the hive mind Correct. So that is, yeah, that's good at least. We just had to kill like, um, billions of people in the process, gonna, but omelets for the eggs. Right. I said omelets and eggs. That's what the Warhammer 40K is all about omelets and eggs. Yeah. And part of me also hopes that maybe, like, if you remember when we were reading one of the Blood Angels books and they basically were like, why do they keep going after Blood Angel stuff? Because they're real angry about ball. Player knowledge, not character knowledge. Um, I, I, I do hope that at some point they're going to start to kind of piece together that, oh, these things are a little smarter than we're giving them credit for. Mm-hmm. And I think in this book, they kind of had the, oh, oh, no. Um, right. Like Tyrus had that moment where he's looking at it and he's like, oh, you know who I am. So that like, moment when the Harbinger had like cornered him and he saw him. I would have, like, given this book 10 out of 10. All the praise in the world if he said clever girl. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Ooh, is it a girl or is it a boy like I don't the patriarch? Care. Just, just, just to throw that out there. Um, I had that reference. thought. There were a couple times in here where I was like, clever girl. <laughs> so, like, um, there was a scene when they were in the forest and they see something in front of them and then they get attacked from the sides. Yes. And I was like clever girls and then when they went into that one like world tree area mm-hmm. and um all of the tyranids suddenly back off and they're like 
the heck are they doing? That's not normal. And then the harbinger comes in and I'm like, clever girls. <laughs> like, again, at some point, they're going to have to start. And I'm hoping that Voltus is going to be the key to this. Is they're going to have to start being like, okay, these things are way smarter than we have ever given them credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. <laughs> they never try the same part of the fence twice. Um, these are the velociraptors of the nids. Voltus is going to be out there well, with his hands out. Let, let me be clear. The Jurassic Park version of velociraptors, because we have no idea what, how velociraptors really are. But Correct. Um, <laughs> but also, like, you know, that was one of the jokes for a long time is that the velociraptors were, like, ridiculously smart, mm-hmm. right? Like, I kept waiting for the time that they were like... Oh, actually, the Velociraptors had one of the first written languages. <laughs> um, kept waiting for that moment. <laughs> it's coming. Mark my word. Um, but and I also apologize. There is a fly in my office. So my Caiaphas cane back there is going nuts. It keeps distracting me. Um, they, you can see his whole head. Like, Woo. Um, hero of the Imperium back there, everybody. Um uh, <laughs> But I, I do hope that Voltus becomes, like, I hope he's not just a one-off character in this book. I I legit hope we get more books from him in general. Uh, yeah. But, like, I hope that he becomes kind of that linchpin of, okay, now we have to start really studying this understanding. It's because he is kind of, you're not wrong. He's like a loyalist, fabulous Bill. And we need that, especially with the Nids. Because mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about more about that here in a minute. All right, let's... Let's get deep in our feelers. <laughs> Lots of tragedy involving the Ultramarines. First off, who hits you the hardest? Oh, man. Well, when I thought Castamon was dead, it was him. Because I was just like, no, 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 no. Like, like, no. Tanaro. Yeah, that's just because that scene when the woman like extends her hand and he's like, he's like, you can't, can't lift me. I'm too heavy. And then she go and because yeah. all the people are behind him pushing. I was like, oh, yeah, that was it was. That, I didn't even like that character up until that moment, and I was like, it was that. It was like probably like a few, maybe a page, maybe a few paragraphs right before that when he said when he realizes. They're going to remember this for something different. I was like, oh, oh, no, that hurts my heart. And then. Well. I think for me, it was Abram. He hit me. Oh, my me. God. That one. So. First like, off. Go on ahead and get your. Get, cross the streams. Get your mugs here. Because this was like too close to the Horace Heresy. Uh, which book was it? Not Scars. It was. Path of Heaven. When you when Yusugai finds that second throne, and he realizes that the only way the scars are going to be able to get through Terra with these storms and with the uh, Death Guard, you know, attacking them constantly, he has to sit in the throne because he is a psyker. He knows it's going to kill him, but it's the only way to get the white scars on the path to Terra. So, with that fresh in my mind, and this happening, I was like, oh, oh my god. I can't do this again. And like in Abaram, he was such a great character and how much he was, you know, doing his, his absolute best with even with, you know, mother brain there really, really affecting his powers. And then him just knowing it's like, we're not getting off this planet, but if I can give people time 
so Voltus can do his thing, I will do what I can for as long as I can. And then by not telling um, Castamon everything that, oh, by the way, I'm not going to survive this process. Yeah, I can do this, but I'm not going to survive that, the process. That was the part that hit me. Because it was very much a Wrath of Khan moment when Spock just, he's like, oh, we're all going to die. So I'm going to have to go down there and fix the warp core. Yep. Um, I liked, because I love the whole conversation with him and Castamon. And he's like, I can mm-hmm. do that. And then when he gets down there, he's like, God, I really should have explained this to Castamon. Like, he still would have done it, is the thing. Is, and that's the thing that I like, is that he still would probably would have just been like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, I won't do that. Goes and does it anyway. Right. Um, like, you know that he was going to do that, but the fact that he was like, I should have explained that I'm going to die, but it's going to be worth it for Voltus. That one hit me so hard, Especially and then it came Castamon back to hit him. And he's like, well, because it also reminded me again of Wrath of Khan, because if you've seen, they get through, right? They get through, they get away from the explosion, and then he's immediately like, oh, we did it, Spock! Wait, where's Spock? Um, I liked when he's just like, oh, yeah, I've been trying to get hold of Abram, but I can't, and I'm sure it's just because of the planet interference or whatever. Like, it's fine. He's down there anyways. When he gets down there and he's like, oh, my God, I should have understood what my friend was trying to tell me. Like... He's like, that whole conversation was so weird. I should have known. I was like, and I was already got emotional when Castamon got crushed. When there was that huge explosion and he got crushed and all he was doing was just thinking Abaram's name over and over again. Then Abaram mm-hmm. came and got him out. It's like. That one killed me. But you guys, a very close second for me was Baraka. I loved that character I start to that finish. I too. And when he said, it was was like, so he, he was fun. like, he was like, this this is it. I was like, oh, no, dude, no. Okay. And, okay. At least, I think, let's be at least real. I'm pretty sure you were laughing the whole way down. You're stabbing this thing. Oh, my God. He was living his best final moments right there. Um, I, like, to be fair, it was pretty much telegraphed, right? Because the whole thing, it's not my time to die. It's not my time to die. I'm having fun. I'm laughing. I'm howling as we're going mm-hmm. down, surfing out this wake right like right. just having so much fun again living his bell cells from in life at that point um it made sense and i really did kind of not think that baraka was going to get off of this planet alive but i really hoped so and it was sad because he and he and voltus very much had that uriel pasenius yeah, relationship friends and yeah and then voltus you know he started scarring his pauldron the way that Baraka did. And then it made me all sad because I was like, someday either Basanius or Uriel is going to die and we're going to have to go through this all over again. Um, but it was, there was a nice, to borrow the phrase from Red Letter Media from uh, George Lucas, it's, it's like poetry. Um, both Castamon and Voltus, they get off the planet, but a tremendous personal loss, mm-hmm. right? They both lost their best friends and it just... It made me so sad. Oddly, though, Squad Garrus hit me pretty hard, too, because... Even though we didn't know them at all. No, but they weren't supposed to die, and so ignominiously. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, (sighs) um, when they... Because, so they say, like, oh, let's just divert them to Port Dura. And then Port Dura explodes. And my first thought when they watch Port Dura explode is I was like, but 
Surely Squad Garrus wasn't there. They wouldn't just kill an entire squad off screen, would they? Well, I was also thinking, like, maybe they hadn't gotten there yet. Maybe they, like, sent a message back to Castamon's, like, you sure, dude? Right. Or they were going to be, like, en route and would be like, whoa, yeah. what happened? Yeah, yeah. Yes, something like that. The thing that pisses me off the most about that is that Urzan got off. Oh, we're going to talk more about that in a second with Tamaris because I have thoughts on that. Well, I mean, does he get off? Well, okay. But you know what I mean. Like, they never know. It was his idea. They never know that he was the one who did it. Um, Yes, he dies on the planet anyway, but nobody knew what he did. She took all the blame. I'm... I'm going to imagine that he died horribly because it's the Tyranids and nobody's getting off this alive and well. Um, Here's the big question, though. So, and Tanaro definitely hit me, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. That one was just, it was a beautiful scene. It was so well written. Were their deaths worth it in the end? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that. I... Because, God, I mean, my theory, so I, would hard. Want, I would want, like, my super happy ending. You know, the super happy ending, you know, where... <laughs> diddly, diddly. Yeah, where, you know, Voltus gets back in time and his lab is just fine and he figures out the thing and they, you know, make all the Tyranids, you know, have horrible headaches and their heads go kaboom and then that's it. The end. That would cool. have been nice and everybody yeah. got off after they killed some... Maybe we lose and, some unnamed people and... And then the Krogan all brought cake. The Krogan baked you a cake, Castamon. Yeah. <laughs> and turned the Tyranids into ice cream. Yeah, that's right. There's a deep cut Penny Arcade reference. Um, <laughs> but yes, like that is def- obviously that's my happy ending. But it was just, you know, and if, if you have the special edition, I highly recommend it. And if you don't have the special edition, I highly recommend looking out Darius Hinks's forward. Yeah. Because his intro. Yeah. It- it's wonderful. He mm-hmm. talks about heroism and he talks about how in, and again, it, it cycles back to that, that Wrath of Khan speech that I love so much with the, what, how we face death. And when he talks about how in a world, the Warhammer 40k universe that is so dark and so grim and awful, how do we still have heroes? How do we still have beacons of light? Like, Tanaro goes out fighting to his last breath amongst the humans, mm-hmm. right? Abram sacrifices himself on the off chance that he buys Vultus five minutes of time, right? Baracus does some math in his head and just grabs the harbinger and takes him down. Like there's all these beautiful, beautiful moments in this book. And it's so sad and it makes, I mean, yeah, like worth it. I don't know. Had to happen, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tamaris and Urzan and all of that. Did, first off, did Tamaris deserve an arc? I think a, so. A redemption arc? I think so. I started this book hating her so much. I did much. hate her. She was such a petulant child. A petulant child who was ignorant, like willfully ignorant. Like Vela's like, they showed us that these are machines. Like, get over it. That's not what it is. Oh, but our culture, they're trying to save you. Like, but I can also understand how she get caught up and she would, because 
you know, we don't see the Xenos. And obviously this is, this is, you know, propaganda, you know, many, many, many years ago, when I actually worked at a, at a news station, we had this meeting where they were talking about, you know, when to do, um, uh, weather interruptions things. And one of the things that the director was saying, he was just like, the thing is, is that, you know, our station, we cover a wide area of this county, which means that we'll have tornadoes in one area that won't affect another. It's like, but people where it's not affecting them, they don't give a rat's ass about that there's that there's tornadoes because they don't have tornadoes. Why are you bugging them when they don't have tornadoes? And I kind of saw the same thing. It was just like, well, I don't see no Xenos. You must be making this. Why are you bothering me with this stuff? Like, this is not what's going on. You guys are using it to, to, to cover up. Because and we've talked about this before, like how many people actually get to see space marines right a lot of people think that they're a myth and even though it sounds like the sanctus line is kind of it sounds like it's part of the 500 worlds in a way and maybe part of uh gulliman's we're taking back our stuff this was mine all right remember that this was all mine king conor yeah this is mine i mean they even had king conor statue they had it when they <laughs> said when they talked about the king conor statue i was like Oh, so yeah, this it has to be. I know it's in the Segmentum Pacificus. It has to be the 500 worlds of just the fact that they have a King Conor statue in there. It has to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have to be, right? So I can kind of understand in a way where, where she would get that and she'd be like, oh, it just divert them. It makes them look dumb. I could tell you she'd be just like, oh my God, I didn't mean to kill anybody. Like that wasn't. Right. Well, and then. We've talked about this before, too, is how ignorant, intentionally, mm -hmm. the denizens of Warhammer 40k are, right? So, like, if I tell you that the Tyranids are coming, A, what's a Tyranid? Mm -hmm. B, it's a giant space bug? Mm -hmm. Like, not to quote text-to-speech, but get a raid can? <laughs> like, it doesn't sound... Again, these people don't really understand. They kind of understand chaos and the idea that there's cultists and there's insurrectionists and stuff like, like that. But they would understand greenskins. Very much, right? But the whole idea of the Nids... like, it, Yeah, I kind of... She was petulant and childish. But then I had to keep reminding myself, I'm like, but you don't understand. And that's by design. Mm -hmm. By design, you don't understand what's coming at you. So there's this, I was very, I was very angry with her. And when they started to give her this redemption arc, I was like, no, you don't deserve it because you are an asshole. And I did, I was really flustered with her with Urzen when they're just like, you're a traitor. He's standing right there. Oh, but he's a coward. Why would you not be like, bruh, this guy, this is the guy. He was in it with me. Except that that shows what strong character she is in a way. Very much And so. what a coward he is. Like... Which even Vela talked about. What a, he's like, he was a lecherous coward, you know. And, you know, he only, oh my God, and he only did it probably to try to get in her pants anyway. Just, you know, uh, probably, yeah, probably, which is, which is funny because like, when she was just like, he was annoying and, <laughs> but he seemed to be useful at the time. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's why that was only that really irked me. I was like, he got off scot-free. Like, no, of course he died. But my point is, but the space Marines, like they didn't kill him on the spot. You know, they thought that she did this act on her own. She did it all on her own. And I did 
one of the things with her that I did like is when Castamon is like, is that the consul with you? Yeah. And he tells Voltus and Baraka, he's like, you understand that she had Squad Garrus killed, right? And they both reach for their guns immediately, right. just like reflexively. Like, oh, but then, wait. We kind of need her. She's literally the only person who can tell us where we need to go to save this planet right now. Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> save well, yeah, save being a really... Vela, the one good person, is horribly killed. Which that actually made me very sad when she when she was killed. She, I mean, at least she went down fighting. Like, I love the fact that she and Damaris had swords, even though Vela's much older. And was like, no, mm-hmm. we're going to hack our way through here if we have to. Well, she, I mean, look, that woman was going out fighting because this is her world. Mm-hmm. Yes, they didn't really understand their own world. And they didn't really understand, like, this this thing that they were worshipping. And, but, by God. They're going out fighting. Mm-hmm. I love that. I So when we talk about the humans, like who hit you the hardest, like I will say one of the people who hit me the hardest in a good way, I can't tell you how happy I was that Tharo and Valicia made it off the planet. Oh, and I like yes. I was like, who? Yes. And with, I... With that girl liked, that they saved. I don't remember her name now, but... I but liked yes. the subtle thing. Very subtle, well, it's not super subtle, but I mean, it was just one of those things where I was like, this is so small and yet so nice is that that group of people, we don't have time to rescue her. They get to the hangar. They run into the gangster and his daughter. They get in a fight. The Tyranids show up. They get killed. The people who stayed around and were like, we're going to do the right thing and rescue this woman. They get off the planet. Mm-hmm. They I didn't know I love that kid. the gangsters didn't get off. I was going to be really pissed. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be really pissed if those two made it off. Um, I liked the idea that the dad kind of wakes up out of it for a bit, mm-hmm. though, and is like, what is going on? And there were a couple comments that he makes that she's like, mm, I think he knows. I think he's kind of like, oh, I don't really remember. But out of shame, he yeah. probably does remember. Um, but oh, I was so glad when they died. Just you're not getting off this planet in particular, but I cannot explain how very happy I was that Tharo and Valicia got off. I I liked when they're like, "You can't leave us here," and Boltus is just like, "Stay out of my way." What I loved was when Sarok's aide ran and grabbed two glasses of wine. I was devastated when they died. Because he's just like, oh my god, she left me too. I mean, I don't really blame her. Right. And then she comes, and she comes back, back with in with glasses the wine and, and he's like... like... Yeah, it was kind of like a Titanic moment. Right? They know they're going to die. Let's at least, like, have some glasses Gentlemen, of wine. It's been a pleasure. Oh um, see, now, see, I was actually yeah. thinking, actually, what I was thinking was the woman that was telling the bedtime story to her kids down below. But yeah, so very much. So. Yeah, I just got chills. But, but yeah, but when, like you said, when he's like, she left. He's like, oh okay. But carry like the wine. Like I was like, oh my god, this book's gonna kill me. And that was part of you know the last one hundred pages. So I was up, you know, up until and then. Yeah, I was already getting. I was teary from that. I was then the whole thing with Tenero and then. You know, Barham and then Baraka. I was like, seriously, are we just going to kill everybody? And I'm just going to like set this book on fire. 
No. No, we're going to get some humans off. By God. <laughs> but it it made me so sad. I did like Karpova that, you know, Karpova even hit me hard in the feels because when she realizes. And this, she realizes that, A, she backed the wrong horse. You're right. But when she realizes that, oh, well, and the whole thing with Volard, when she goes to save Volard after they've chained him up mm-hmm. and he's, and she gives him the alcohol and she's like, you good? Because mm-hmm. I need you. And with them charging, but the thing that made me so sad was when she's trying to charge Krang and he's just, she keeps seeing herself back in the chasm. And here's one of the things that was funny. And this is where the Tyranids underestimated their opponent was that she's like the Kazar. Oh my God. I'm no, this doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Like she not having it, not having any of this pack this away, mother brain. And so the fact that she, at least her redemption there is that she goes and she kills the brain and Vollard. But he kills the brain. They both, they both, well, sorry. Yes, yep. correct. Both of them come in, in there, them killing them. And she grabs the bugle. <laughs> she grabs the bugle and sa- oh, yeah. that one hit me super hard. But Sarah, <laughs> I don't know why. But... We're mad at you. <laughs> Bruh. You hit all the feels. All the feelers. Um, the governor and his aide that was so nice with them just sitting there drinking, holding hands and waiting for the door to burst in. Like, oh man, what are you going to do at that point? Right. Um, but Tharo and Felicia getting off. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> at least somebody, I really wanted Sarek and his aide yeah. to make it off. And Okay. Because he was going to be a good governor. And that's probably why he had to die because he was going to be a good governor. Why was he going to be a good governor? Right? Because he didn't want to rule. That was him. He didn't want it, and he wasn't part of the aristocracy or the oligarchy, and he wasn't, you know, in the um, he wasn't in the gangster's pocketbook already, and just, huh. oh, you know, the real ruler. Yeah, basically, oh, Regium. Um, the name Regium. Bugs. Um, so bugs. gross. Anyways, I dry heaved. Let's talk about the Harbinger and the Nids in general. First off, is the Harbinger a compelling? villain it's hard to call a bug a villain but i think so or, made me think of the alien the xenomorph kind of but more so because the queen and the xenomorph they never really like the psychic thing no i just mean okay the, the presence the presence oh yeah 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 the the where is it um the fear when it shows up you know of course you know like Okay, I know this has been established, but every single time that they shot it, that they shot the Tyranids and talked about the ascetic blood, I was like, okay, you know, Ridley Scott says hi. You know, just that's the first thing, you know, I, I could think of. And I don't even like the stupid alien movies. Um, sorry, not stupid. I don't like the alien movies. I know Jen loves say, them. Watch, watch yeah, your damn mouth. I, 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 t- I took it back. That's not right of me to say. But I can say after Aliens 2, the alien second one, right? That's all stupid. Oh, yeah, everything after Aliens. There's only two alien movies. Okay, right. Period. But, yeah, so I don't even like, I don't even like the movies, but that's, like, where my my mind immediately went. But even then, I may not like them, but I understand, especially the first one, how terrifying that first one was. And that's kind of how I saw the Harbinger with this. Like, we don't know where where it is. We don't know where it's coming. And then when it attacks, you know, it's just kind of there, like, smiling, very much the way that the, that the Xenomorph did uh, until, you know, 
spears you with his tail, which the hermit uh, right. speared them with tails. So I was like, okay, like maybe he was watching Alien while 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 writing this. I don't know, but uh, I thought he was, you know, as a a monster, a horror monster. I thought it was served very very well. I, I would agree with that. It, so to me, and I know that I've mentioned, sorry, I'm let my having my daughter take the cat out of the room um, because he's making lots of noise. Um, so one of the things that um, I, I, and I know that I've referenced this before, but it reminded me a lot of Resident Evil Nemesis. One of the reasons that the Nemesis game was one of my favorites is that you had this very much like alien. You had this big hulking presence and you would hear him every now and then. And all of a sudden you would be wandering around as Jill Valentine. And all of a sudden you would be like, you know, you know, I haven't seen Nemesis like in a while. And then he would burst through a wall. Um, it was one of the, it, oh, so good. But it reminded me a lot of that because you would have this like, oh, oh, this is starting to, this is starting to exhibit the familiar symptoms mm -hmm. of the Harbinger showing up. Like we haven't seen him in a few chapters here. And then it, there it is, right? So I, I agree with you entirely. It was like this lurking, hulking presence. The problem with this, is it it definitely does i hate the nids it, it and this is not darius hinks this is games workshop it does tie into a lot of the stuff that i hate with the tyranids and it is just how ridiculously overpowered they're being because of the way they continue to evolve and learn and do all of this stuff as they eat more people right and eat more beings throughout the world and in particular, the psychic stuff. Now, I did like the idea when the symbiont is kind of trying to talk to Voltus and mm -hmm. is basically like, you see your Primarch there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're after him. We're, we, we know. We know he's the big boss. We're coming after him. And that I was like, <laughs> excuse you. No, you're not. Um, but it did all of the psychic stuff. So the thing that me with me that I was like, oh, man. I like it in this book, but don't do... I can see that this is a problem. It's what happens to Port Dura. The psychic tyranid ties in to the remaining humanity within that servitor's mm -hmm. skull that contain controls that computer system. So once the... Now that we have established that the psychic tyranids can control servitors... Yeah, that is... yeah. Game over, man. Game over. Like, the fact that it was able to tie into that and be like, you're hungry. You're so hungry. Mm -hmm. You just, but you're just going to have to melt everything down. Like, on one hand, it was very clever. I actually, as soon as he started talking about, I just feel hungry, I was like, oh, no. Um, It was compelling and worked in this book. I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. As you said, I'm hoping it's a thing where they're like, oh, because everything died on this planet? Well, because um, again, like with the gene stealers and everything, right? Who knows how long they've been there? Because that's a that's type of thing that the gene stealers are there, usually for generations. This isn't a, oh, by the way, Tyranids are here. Oh, there's gene stealers. They've been here like for five minutes. That's not how this works. Um, so we don't know how long they've been there to send word you know in a way back to the hive minds they talk about the dreams and, and everything that, that that they get back the to the choir yep yeah so this i am hoping that you're 100 correct that this thing with like tapping into the servitors is is done because otherwise they'll just go to any planet and that's it that's it this guy they just gotta tap into one servitor yeah well and the fact that now you have 
one of the things that was very interesting, they're kind of like the Borg. God, at this rate, you're going to have to drink with all the Star Trek references I'm making this evening. In that, like, the Borg Queen, very rarely, and even with the aliens, the Xenomorph, the Queen is off kind of doing her own thing, directing the hive mind. So Mm -hmm. it always kind of made sense that the Nids, yeah, they're a little crafty, they're a little clever, but now we have this thing that's essentially, like, I was going to try and make a chest analysis, like the Bishop or something Mm -hmm. like that, that this thing can get down there, and it's smart. It understands the command structure. I... I like the idea that it laid that trap for Tyrus yeah. to take it out, right? And then it's basically hunting Castamon, Voltus, and whoever else is in charge, right? It's clever enough to do that. Okay, right. I'm I'm following all of this. That's fine. But again, it's like, okay, but that is a little overpowered because how are you ever going to mm-hmm. combat that? And the answer is with Voltus's research, obviously. Um, but it did. There were a lot of times that I was reading this, and mostly it was the servitor thing that I was like, "No, turn the ship around." <laughs> and again, it's not Darius. I think it's the first time we've seen that ploy. Okay, all right, interesting. But the concept of it, I'm like, you can't have this. Felt very much the way that I did in Resident Evil Code Veronica when they introduced the concept of cloning, because then I was like, "And we're done now." Literally, everyone's going to be a clone. (laughs) And guess what happened? They cloned Ada Wong. I'm not bitter. You are. I never played Resident Evil, so I'll just smile. Yeah, and you're still still bitter about Ada Wong. Okay, yes, I'm very bitter. Look, we've read enough Marvel and DC. What are the things that suck? Time travel, alternate universes, and clones. This is true. Looking directly at you, X-23. Oh, hot hot sports opinions there. But no, I'm with you because, like, I'm sorry. I know she's, like, a favorite or whatever. No. 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 She's fun. I don't even like Wolverine, so, of course, I don't like her. Right. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I'm like, oh, no. Um, so hopefully his research does is that ties back around to that initial question. Yeah, hopefully that does become a big thing. But now, okay. So orcs are everywhere. Just literally everywhere. That's what they do. It is what they do. They're, they're Chaos. Fungus. You can't, you can't. It's you true. You can't control fungus. mushrooms. Mm. Chaos has destroyed Cadia. Mm-hmm. The Necrons are awakening and having a problem with uh, the flare virus. And now the Nids are knocking at, there's now basically a crack in the dam that protects the solar system. The soul system, excuse me. Um, orcs, chaos, Tyranids, Necrons, oh my. Oh my. <laughs> Does it feel like too much now for Robbie Bobby? Like, it's starting to feel a little bit like Spider-Man 3. A little For too much. For the whole universe. Yeah, just because uh, like, I thought the Necron thing was over. And then they keep bringing it back up. I'm like, what, is it over? Is it I thought over? the Nid thing was over. Exactly. And I they keep the bringing it back over. Too, after, was it Devastation of Ball? Mm-hmm. I thought that, that pre- like, yes, we've had a couple of books about Gene Steeler's, like, um, Ascension. Day of Ascension, I think is what it was called. Day uh, of Ascension. We've had a couple of things, but, you know, nothing, nothing. Like nothing in a few years. Yeah, nothing like this. Um, right. 
yeah, the orcs pop up every now and then, but okay. But so I guess if we want to take all that, so what is this that uh, Gaskell Thraka might be coming back? Isn't that like the whole big thing right. there? So we have the Nids and superpowered Nids. Um, we have the Necrons with, like you said, the uh, big becoming, oh, right, the flare thing. We just should, should embrace that. That's normal. Totally. Right. All we're missing is Eldar. Oh, I'm sorry. Eldari. Well, kind of, because, well, not the Eldar, the, the Drukari. Drukari, because uh, the Dark City, right? The Dark City is all about the fact that the Drukari are definitely trying to create their own oh, Black Throne. That's right. So, totally but, forgot. again, well, and we saw them with... Um, we saw them with that Car- Caradon book, uh, Outer Dark, mm. right? Um, they and then actually going to no, back not to one Outer of the Dark. Books. It was um, sorry, Silent Hunter. Silent Hunters. Thank you. Uh, where it came up with Outer Dark, you guys? Well, that's another uh, Caradon book, but not the one with the Drakari. Yes, you are correct. It, it was Silent Hunters. So, anyways, so we have all of that going on. Um, something just occurred to me because I was like, oh, I totally forgot to mention the Tau, but I did not forget to mention the Tau because. Kazarkin, Kazarkin basically establishes that oh the oh. tower kind of like a like a nuisance like if you've ever walked through a cloud of gnats and you're just like, like well, they're like that I don't know they keep trying to make the tower happen <laughs> stop trying to make the tower happen stop making um, Phil Kelly write those books please for the love of God um yeah like it it is one of those things where <laughs> they. Sorry, there was Actually, you know what? Teeth. Oh no, I hate when that happens. Um, probably his bones like an orc to your chaos. To, anyways, um, it's oh, probably no, I'm not a thing. Thinking that. <sighs> no, there'd I'm be sorry. teeth. T- touched you in the touched you in the throat. There'd be um, teeth and orc teeth. Right. It has been such a long time. I actually had to go back through our books because I'm like, what? When was the last time that we saw it? we read a book? Where there was a legit Tyranid. I'm back in 2020 and I haven't found one yet. So the needs, it's been a spell on the Nids. Well, when was Day of Ascension? Um, other than that one. Okay. Other than that one, I think maybe we read The Last Hunt. And I think that one was old even when we read it. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah other, I forgot about that. The White Scars book. The other book with the jeans. Dealers was that one with the Im- <laughs> we never remember the name of this book fist of the imperium is that it with the, the imperial fist yeah he's like his his hand is out like this yeah, he's yeah, the psyker the yeah yeah so i mean it's been a spell before but since we last had like a real major book where the nids were very prominent so I, I felt like they kind of dropped them like they were definitely the hotness for a minute and then they kind of dropped them but then like uh, like the Nurgle guys were the hotness for a while, and then they dropped them. Our next book is going to have the Nurgle guys in it. So I feel like they're just like, oh, these guys are still a thing, and these guys, and these guys, and these and guys, and these guys. Like, Angron's a thing, too, but we haven't really gotten a book about that yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. Other than Angron. But like, oh, that's true. But that, no. I guess that's... it's good that the lion is back awake now because, bruh, we got a lot to deal with, and it's, it's a lot for one Primark, <laughs> even though he is a very, very organized Primark. I um he gets shit done. He does get shit done. It's just a lot. And I I kind of wish that 
I don't know. I almost wish they would just pick a theme and stick with it for a hot minute. Well, you know, by the time that we get, like, you know, the lion fighting Angron or those books or whatever, by then, you know, there's going to be a new codex or, like, a you know, the new whatever version that's going to have. Yeah. I guess not a new codex, but a new campaign that's going to be about the Necrons or I don't know. Take your pick. Abaddon shows up again. Here, remember this guy? Remember how he... Right. Remember when chaos was a thing? Remember when he, like, you know, hurled the Blackstone Fortress into Cadia? Parry this. Um, Yeah, it just... And the fact that the Nids, again, going back to the Servitor thing, the fact that they are basically at the gateway to the soul system. Maybe that's what wakes up the Emperor. (laughs) <laughs> I say again, it's just, a, oh my God, that'd be hysterical. The Emperor's going to be mother, like... Mother Brain reaches out and touches him and is like, oh no. Bad touch, bad Mistakes touch. were made. Bad touch! <laughs> um, I see him waking this... up and being like, humans are friends, not food. <laughs> right. Um, I I just feel as though, yeah, we need Voltus's work to be actually very important to this because it's just, it's a lot right now. Um. This was such a wonderful book. It was such a surprise. Yes. Pleasant surprise because of the Nids. I wasn't looking forward to it. Not because of Darius Hanks. Because of the Nids. We don't like the Nids. And then I ended up loving this book. Absolutely love this book. Definitely in the top running for the top or the top five, um, which is good because. um, We're not as excited for this one. I have feelers (sighs) about it. that's right, everyone. We're reading the next Dawn of Fire book. Next Dawn of Fire. I was kind of hoping Yay. things would line up so we could read Cypher, since this is like, you know, my birthday week and everything. But um, no, Dawn of Fire had to come out before then. Yeah. Um, I'm excited because it's Mark Collins. We liked the last book that we read from Mark Collins. Um, it's 400-something pages. <laughs> I can't think about that right now. Um, I'll think about that tomorrow. Um, that is... And the other thing that I'm really struggling with right now is that one of the main characters is dead. We saw her die in Void King. The rogue trader. She's dead. Um, so, I have, to quote Carrie, I have questions as we go into this book already. But you know what? Nurgle's boys are in here. We've got Templars and sisters and rogue traders. Oh my. Um, the thing that I keep thinking is I'm like a Templar, a sister, and a rogue trader walk into a bar. Um, and then it becomes a giant, like, measuring contest over who has the most authority here. Oh, great. Warhounds. I'm just getting tired of, like, the knights and stuff. I, I'm kind of excited. That part doesn't bother me as much. It's just the whole Dawn of Fire. The whole Dawn of Fire series. Oh, yeah, hey, but there's, yeah. there's chem dogs. Not the same chem dogs, but they're still chem dogs. Oh, well, there we go. Um, I'm not seeing her. Reboot Gulliman, the Avenging Son, Lord Regent of the Imperium. You know, that old so-and-so, in case you don't know who <laughs> that he is. Guy. You may have <laughs> that also, guy. You may also remember him <laughs> in other books such as... Yeah, pretty the entire much. Horus Heresy. Because Catla is the one. God, now I'm gonna have to go back and look this back up. Catla, I think, is the one who dies in Void King because she's the mom. She's the matriarch. Um, 
Okay. Daughter and heir to Catla lost beyond the rift. Okay, I'm gonna have to like pull back up that book because it's been a while and I didn't like. Yeah, it. Astrid is the one. Yeah, Catla Hellventer died in battle with Gene Stealers on the Worm Slayer Queen in Void King. Will, so the fact. Okay, so I don't. I officially don't care. You guys, I uh, and there's a short story about her, um, that actually Mark Collins wrote. I feel like I feel like a memo got missed. Did he write Void King? No. I don't. Well, well, I say that emphatically, and now I have to look back and see because if he did, then I'm going to have to retract that statement that I said about how he liked his last book. Oh, he did. He did write Void King. I did not love that book. No. I was thinking of Grim Repast, which we oh, enjoyed. That was a good book. Yeah, that was good. Um, oh, God, I forgot. We actually read a book because we also read Hellbrecht right before that. It, is, it was the Mark Collins Hellbrecht show starring good. Mark Collins. Hellbrecht yeah, for good. a couple books there. You remind me of Sigismund. Thank you. That's not a compliment. <laughs> um, still one of the best, best scenes ever. <laughs> so reboot, too. <laughs> it's so reboot. Like, no, you, oh, you misunderstand me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so, I'm so sorry that you thought that was a compliment. I'm sorry, did, did you um, think I was whoops. being nice? <laughs> That's so funny, because I wasn't. Yeah, I was not. Um, That was last year, too. Yeah, I forgot. Which We've one, done... Hellbrecht or Void King or both? Both. Hmm. Um. So yes, so here we are. A dead character is back to... A dead character starring in a dead series. <laughs> Anyways, we're reading Dawn of Fire. Join us, won't you? So I guess we're just going to come to the grips with that. Basically, what we are reading are history books, like Dawn of Fire. This would be like we decided to read Siege of Terra, right? Because, like, you know, yeah. I think we're. I think if Kinda. we embrace it that way, and not that this is going to have any new information, it might makes it easier at the same time, make, making it worse, right? Because then what's the point if there's like not going to be any new information? I say that as I'm reading the Horus Heresy, even though we all know how that went. I'm, I still like to like read, I guess, like how they got there. The problem is, is that I think like the end result of the Horus Heresy is far more interesting than the end result of the Indominus Crusade. Yeah, I think actually for me, it's more like, um, it's more like a series that's been canceled. Like they did the first four episodes. There's 10 of them total, but they did the first four and then they canceled the series. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it, but I know it's not going anywhere. Like, you know, the Constantine series, I'm going to be very angry and, you know, full of rage still. No. X not, years later. Not that series. Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing, oh, still also that, no, I was also ragey about that one, and Constantine. Um, very ragey because they canceled those and they were very good, uh, and I'm not going to get answers to them. But this one was more like the hottest of hot takes, and I encourage everyone to come at me. More like Firefly. I've never seen Firefly, but even I know that's like you're treading dangerous ground. <laughs> I loved Serenity. I thought it was great that they wrapped it up. Um, but I have some interesting, I have some mixed feelings about Firefly 10 years, 15, whoa, way more than that, like 20 years later. Um, feelings about that one. But there's like a lot of stuff where it's like, it, it just kind of feels like a series that lost its way and got canceled. And now you're like, eh, why should I bother with it? Um, we're going to read it. 
It's going to be great. Join us on this journey, won't you? Maybe this will be, maybe the sixth time is the charm, and this will be the book that we enjoy in the series. The sixth time. <laughs> I like the second book. That's the only one that I ever actually time. remember in detail is the second book. Second book was great. Second book was super good. Uh, so, but maybe now it's like, it's like, you know, like how the Star Trek movies, it's the even numbered ones that are good, except for four. We don't talk about four. Um, my husband loves four. It's a hot topic in this house. Um, but like this one's like the second book is good. And then the sixth book is good. See, now with Star Trek, I only like up to three. After Search for Spock. One and three don't exist. You don't like Search for Spock? I hate that movie. I hate the first one too. I, the uh, first the one was second, not good. I'm just a, one, I'm a big fan of the second one. Fourth one, no. The whale movie. I didn't see any more after that. One. Six is excellent. Um, and it has Christopher Plummer as a Vulcan or as a shit. Why can't I think of the name of a Klingon using my uttering my favorite quote in all of Star Trek history, which is Shakespeare is much more enjoyable in the original Klingon. Oh, <laughs> because That's the cute. Klingons would definitely be down with Shakespeare. Um, Yes, so join us for Dawn of Fire 6. <laughs> Rocky 5,000. This feels oh, like... <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, reboot. Still fighting fires on every front, just in case you were wondering. Now the big question is going to be, okay, here's my hot take, is that I bet you that the Ring of Bukharis isn't going to be mentioned once in here. Oh, I forgot that was a thing. That's Okay. So did the series. <laughs> yeah. Want to take us out, Carrie? I think it'd be funny if, um, you know, whenever the third Covenant book comes out that John French writes, and it's about the Bucharest ring, because it just all ties together. And I just, you know, killed Jen for the night. So anyway, so you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Leviathan by Darius Hinks. Be sure to join us next time for The Martyr's Tomb by Mark Collins. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay well and read from a crack. Yeah, I'm still all furious. It's you 50 shades of blue. I'm looking back for that. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. of the Warhammer 40k book club was hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve. <laughs>